Hi, here is something a little bit different. I um, I was very happy to see a very, uh, how could I say, positive article not that long ago, last week actually, and I thought I'd share it with you because um, it kind of encompasses a lot of things that I've been talking and writing about, and that is including World of Coral, but especially the different efforts that have been volunteered, put together, imagined, and that show a lot of initiative, but a lot of kindness, and I think all that is stuff that we can be uh, discussing and talking about more. So here goes the article. It was taken out of the Guardian, um, and it was done by a, a journalist called Gaia Vince, and it was issued on uh, the 18th of October uh, this year. So if you wanted to look at other work and so forth, Gaia Vince. Here's the title. Why there is hope that the world's coral reefs can be saved. I think we're off to a good start, aren't we? From coral farming to 3D printing, scientists are using novel methods to save a vital part of our ecosystem. That's to remind us of initiative, volunteering, and so forth. Um, and it's reminding us that some people are putting the efforts to go out and do what they think is right and to do things they think could help and are willing to take that time and that risk. Here comes the article. Sorry, I will not make too many interrupts there. For most of us, the colorful otherworldly marine scapes of coral reefs are as remote as the alien landscapes of the moon. We rarely, if ever, experience these underwater wonderlands for ourselves. We are, after all, air-breathing terrestrial creatures, mostly cocooned in cities. It is easy, therefore, not to notice the perilous state they're in. We've lost 50% of coral reefs in the last, or in the past 20 years. More than 90% are expected to die by 2050, according to a presentation at the Ocean Sciences meeting in San Diego, California, earlier this year. As the oceans heat further and turn more acidic, owing to rising carbon dioxide emissions, coral reefs are tipped to become the world's first ecosystems to become extinct because of us. Just because we don't see them doesn't mean we won't miss them. For as we are belatedly discovering the nice dry human world that we've made for ourselves is dependent on the planet's natural systems and coral reefs are no exception. They protect our coastlands from erosion, they are the nurseries for the fish we eat, and they harbor the plankton that produce the oxygen we breathe. Globally, coral reefs support a quarter of all marine life and the livelihoods of a billion people. Coral reefs are ancient and highly adaptable. They first emerged nearly 500 million years ago. Those corals were extinct, and the corals that we have now first appeared 240 million years ago. The difference now is the extreme pace of change. Coral is slow growing, and a reef takes about 10 years to recover fully after a single bleaching event. By 2049, we're expecting annual bleaching events in the tropics, pushing reefs beyond recovery. It's a grim prospect, and one of the reasons that in 2015, the world's nations pledged to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees centigrade above pre-industrial levels, a temperature that would enable coral reefs to survive. It remains far from clear whether we will meet this goal. However, while we still have reefs, we still have hope. Some will do better than others, some already are, and scientists are trying to work out why in a bid 
to build resilience elsewhere. As with climate change, human activity is implicated. For instance, studies show that reefs are more likely to recover from a heating event if they are protected from other stresses, such as overfishing, pollution from agriculture and boat damage. With the future of the world's ecological and human systems now so deeply interconnected, a new movement in reef conservation in reef conservation is putting social systems at its heart and explicitly building resilience into human and ecological systems in tandem. In other words, protecting nature means protecting people. The Coral Reef Alliance, for instance, is working with reef-dependent fishing communities in Honduras. Overfishing hits reefs in a number of ways, including by removing herbivores, such as parrotfish, whose grazing constraints coral damaging algae. The non-governmental organization helps with boat purchases for reef patrols, providing salary key positions on the ground and helping diversify income streams so people are less reliant on exploiting vulnerable ecosystems. They're not alternative livelihoods because nobody's going to fully give up fishing, but can we provide them with alternatives for when there's a fishery closure to protect the reef? so they can still provide food and an income for their families, says Madabi Colton, the director of the Coral Reef Alliance. We're building resilience in the human community, and that translates to resilience in the Coral Reef community as well. The organization uses economic indicators as well as data collected by scientists in the community, which is then presented back to the community. So they've been able to see that the fish stocks are increasing because of their actions, Colton said. A key test was this from March to April, when their lagoons off the island of Roatan were protected with a one-month closure. This year, with COVID-19, we weren't sure if the community was going to want to do that. But because they've seen such dramatic increases in biomass after closures in past years, they decided to, Colton said. We're building community support for regulations by showing how they benefit the community. The organization is also reforesting inland to reduce sediment flows and has built a wastewater treatment facility, Colton said. We estimate we've, presented, we've prevented around 28.5 million gallons of sewage from being directly discharged onto the reef. And as a result of that facility, the public beach in West End was given a flag for safe swimming by U.S. standards. The hope is that by building resilience, coral reefs and the communities that depend on them will be able to adapt and survive if the climate stabilizes. And if the worst happens, it should help people adjust to living with an extinct reef. UNESCO is piloting a similar community-focused initiative called Resilient Reefs, after finding that 21 of 29 World Heritage listed coral reefs were already degraded. Meanwhile, in Australia's Great Barrier Reef, which has lost half of its corals in the past five years, an innovative project is putting the tourism industry, which is 90% relying on the reef, at the heart, not just of reef protection, but of actively healing the reef on which it depends. David Suget, Associate Professor at the University of Technology, Sydney, says, we're trying to build a more sustainable and resilient reef economy by equipping workers with the skills and tools to propagate corals from the good parts of the reef to help rebuild the poor parts of the reef, so that the ecosystem they rely on for their li livelihoods is retained. Sergit's Coral Nurture Program, which has been running for four years, re relies on coral gardening 
which was first developed in the Caribbean after disease nearly wiped out the only three species of native Acropora, hard-branching corals, there. That laborious process involved gluing fragments of living coral from healthy parts of the reef onto dead coral skeletons or artificial reef structures. The idea is to hasten a natural process whereby coral fragments or polyps are carried on current currents and fix themselves on a reef, repopulating it. The expense and time-consuming nature of such projects means they've been largely dismissed, but the method has proved worth the efforts in the Caribbean. This year, Acropora, saved from the brink of extinction, actually began natural, natural spawn, spawning. Now, Sergit's team have designed a coral clip that's safer than glue, and much faster to apply. Tour operators can clip several hundred coral fragments onto the reef in each dive, each takes seconds, and within one to two months, the coral natural glues itself on the reef and starts growing. The clip just degrades over time. Coral reefs support a quarter of all marine life and the livelihoods of a billion people. The scale of the operation has meant the team have had to create nurseries to supply a stock of corals by propagating parent lines. They also use coral IVF, collecting eggs and sperm and fertilizing them away from predators until they grow into baby corals that can be injected back on the reef in a controlled manner. Sergeant explains, so you bypass that really early stage where everything's really susceptible to getting eaten. The project gives tour operators resilience, enabling them to be much more adaptive in the face of change. He adds, this year during COVID-19, when tourism shut down overnight, the tour operators were, who were equipped with the new tools and workflows for coral gardening were able to repurpose their businesses and ride out the downturn while others closed. Just as diversification builds resilience for livelihoods, so it is essential for reef ecosystems and reef networks connected by ocean currents to allow migrating larvae move and adapt. Malin Pinsky, associate professor at Rutgers University in New Jersey, who led one recent study, says, We found that the diversity of reef types provides the variety that evolution depends on. We need to conserve hot sites, which are important sources of heat-tolerant corals, as well as colder sites that can become important future habitats. He adds that corals are already migrating in the directions of the poles, showing up in Japan in places that used to be covered in kelp, and in southern Australia, which is another sign of hope. In the face of profound global change, it is not enough to simply protect reefs from stress. Active intervention and adaptation is required. From coral gardening to physically removing coral predators such as crown and thorns, starfish, others want to intervene further by selectively implanting heat-tolerant varieties, including lab-grown polyps, or even using CRISPR, a rapid gene-editing technology to produce genetically engineered versions. In 2019, researchers described 23 different ways to improve the resilience and persistence of coral reefs. It took several years for us to get a permit to experimentally move heat-tolerant corals from hot mangrove lagoons out to the reefs, a journey that polyps could make naturally, says Sajet. So it will take some time before corals are allowed to be introduced from elsewhere. Those experiments showed that heat-adapted corals can thrive in new environments and could be an important source of reef regeneration. One place to look would be the Gulf of Aqaba in the northern Red Sea. Due to a quirk of geology, the corals that have evolved adapted to harsh hot conditions, 
with the result that they are not simply heat tolerant, they thrive better as the water heats growing faster. Karen Kleinhaus, an associate professor at Stony Brook University in New York, says most corals struggle to survive temperatures just one degree centigrade above the summer maximum, but Akaba corals are super thermally resilient even in the acidic waters and cope with temperatures 6 degrees centigrade is even 7 degrees centigrade is hotter. So 6 degrees centigrade, 7 degrees centigrade above, and it's still coping. She believes these corals represent a precious and unique population. They could be the last coral reef standing at the end of the century, and yet they are currently poorly protected, threatened by pollution and rampant coastal development, which compromise their resilience. What coral reefs are experiencing right now amounts to a massive evolutionary selective pressure, something that Michael Webster, a research scientist at New York University, who unusually is confident they'll get through, he says, take the northern Great Barrier Reef with three years of back-to-back -back bleaching in some places, 70% of the coral was lost. What that means is 30% of the coral survived, perhaps because it is more tolerant. Those are the corals that produce the next generation, which inherit some of those traits, he says. Indeed, one study showed that coral that survived bleaching on the Great Barrier Reef in 2016 had twice the average heat tolerance the following year. Separate lab research reveals that corals can pass on their adaptive strategies to their offspring. Timing is everything, though. When coral dies or is destroyed, the reef shrinks, a problem exacerbated by current sea level rise, making it harder for new corals to grow, because their habitat is depth-specific. And when you lose a coral reef, you're losing the entire ecosystem, not simply a few species of coral. It means we need to ask hard questions about what we value in our reefs and what we're trying to protect in terms of functionality. Implanting thermal external files, such as corals from Aqaba, could speed up the evolutionary process of heat adaptation, but means dramatically changing the ecosystem. The opposite of traditional conservation and comes with risks, artificial, even 3D printed reefs can provide structure and researchers are even experimenting with artificial reef noise. Using underwater loudspeakers to play the sounds of a healthy reef in degraded areas has been shown to attract fish populations back to the area, helping to kickstart a recovery of the ecosystem. For evolution to occur quickly usually requires a lot of depth. That is the natural selection signal. Right now, we're in the ugly beginning of that progress, Webster says. I believe a lot of corals are going to get through this bottleneck. They're not going to go extinct. They're going to figure out a way to pace with climate change, so long as we give them some room. In other words, it will depend on good reef management and whether humanity can get a handle on climate change, given the scale of bleaching globally. It's a brave prediction. Let's hope he's right. Why are coral reefs so threatened by the climate crisis? Coral reefs are facing an unprecedented, an unprecedented threat from global carbon dioxide emissions, chiefly because of hot erosions and acidification as the atmospheric gas dissolves into seawater. Coral exists in a mutually beneficial relationship with zooxanthellia algae, which live inside the coral's polyps. The algae use of coral's waste products and provide the nutrition nutrients to feed them both through photosynthesis. 
Higher sea temperatures force the coral to expel the colorful argon, and if this process is prolonged, the coral stops. During a coral bleaching event, reefs lose so much zooxanthellae that they become white and experience massive die-outs. Ocean acidification exacerbates the problem, eroding the reef, forcing corals to expend more energy building their calcium carbonate skeletons and slowing down their growth rate. The average global temperature is already one degree centigrade hotter than in pre-industrial times. In addition, climate change is intensifying periodic weather phenomena such as El Nino warming events, increasing the temperature reefs experience and reducing the recovery interval between bleaching events. Climate models predict that global heating will continue over the coming century because our carbon emissions are expected to continue rising. Some 75% of tropical reefs were hit by bleaching during a global ocean heat wave between 2014 and 2017. Half of tropical coral reefs have been lost during the past three decades, and even if temperatures were kept no higher than 1.5 centigrade, between 70% and 90% of reefs would be lost by the end of the century. There you have it. That's the article. And it's as positive as one can get on the topic of coral reefs. I invite you to go read it or to listen to it again. But the point is that it's talking about all the different efforts that are being made, how the exercise is being carried out, and it reminds us of why and how coral reefs are shrinking, to give it one word. I hope you enjoyed it. It's a very positive one. It's talking about different actors all involved in accelerating the recovery process for coral reefs, as well as creating new ones based on old ones and or the surviving old ones and relocating some. I think it's, it's absolutely fantastic how they show this exercise. Um, plenty more to come. I just thought that's a nice way to start. All the best. Until the next time. Thank you very much.